oyentes, and bienvenidos al podcast Your WSGA. And for my non-Spanish speaking people, hello listeners and welcome to the Your WSGA podcast, a podcast run by students for students. This is the second episode of the season and we are very excited to have you here. As you can probably tell by the music, this episode will be centered around one of my favorite months, Hispanic Heritage Month. For all our Hispanic and Latinx listeners, this is a time to celebrate you and your culture. Whether that is blasting Hispanic music, putting flags on your car and driving around with pride, spending time with your family, or whatever you decide to do, this is the month to do so. Today, we will hear from other Hispanics and Latinx people who will be discussing labels, issues we face, what it means to be Hispanic and Latinx, and what this month means to us. Before I introduce our guests, I wanted to give a brief history of this month and where it all began. Hispanic Heritage Month initially began as a week-long celebration in 1968 under President Lyndon B. Johnson, who, at the time, said, The people of Hispanic descent are the heirs of missionaries, captains, soldiers, and farmers who were motivated by a young spirit of adventure and a desire to settle freely in a free land. It wasn't until 1988 that President Ronald Reagan extended the week to a full 31 days through October 15th, keeping the 15th the state date because it coincides with National Independence Day of Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Costa Rica. Similarly, Mexico celebrates on the 16th, Chile on the 18th, and Belize on the 21st. Now, in the 21st century, Hispanic Heritage Month has become much bigger than what it was initially. You can often find museums who have Hispanic exhibits. Some schools will spend time learning about Hispanic culture. Others will put flags on their trucks or cars and drive them around, waving proudly in the wind. For many Hispanics, this month is a time where they can celebrate their culture, pay homage to the sacrifices our ancestors made, and celebrate the ones who continue to make history. Some important icons in the Hispanic American culture are Dolores Huerta, who fought for Hispanic American labor rights, Cesar Chavez, who dedicated his life to improving the treatment, pay, and working conditions for farm workers, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, became the youngest person elected to the House of Representatives, Sonia Sotomayor became the first Hispanic American to serve as a member of the Supreme Court, and Lin-Manuel Miranda has created a huge impact in the musical theater world with his works like Hamilton the Musical and In the Heights. All of these are achievements that we can celebrate and should celebrate long after Hispanic Heritage Month is over. After learning a bit about the history of Hispanic Heritage Month, I wanted to introduce this week's guest. If I could have you state your name, major, year in school, and what nationality or ethnicity you are, that would be great. Hello, my name is Daniel Lopez. I am a junior at Washington University. I am getting my Bachelor's of Health Science with an Associate of Occupational Therapy and a minor of Psychology and a Certificate of Leadership. Hi, my name is Keneal Negron Gonzalez. I am getting my uh, bachelor's in psychology and minors in leadership. Um, my year in college is junior, soon to be senior. <laughs> and I am from Puerto Rico. 
And as for myself, my name is Megan Durantes. I am a public administration major, triple minoring in Spanish, leadership studies, and Latin and Caribbean studies. I am a junior and I am Mexican-American. Now, the first topic I wanted to discuss is what the differences are between Hispanic, Latinx, Latino, Latina, and Spanish, and all that jazz. This is a topic that a lot of people often get confused about, including some Hispanics. So I wanted to clear up that confusion before we start. Now, depending on which nationality you're referring to, Latino and Hispanic can be interchangeable. Latino is often used when thinking about location and Hispanic is more about the language being spoken. For example, Latino includes Brazil, but not Spain. Hispanic includes Spain, but not Brazil. And Spanish only refers to people who are from Spain. So for countries like Mexico, Puerto Rico, Paraguay, Venezuela, Haiti, Cuba, you can use either Latino or Hispanic. And another option is often just asking people what they use or what they accept. So for our guests, our first question is, which labels do you accept or use when referring to yourself? Pretty much the labels I... It's really confusing because growing up, I was grew up as a um, Hispanic in general because every time like you go to school, you have these paper and documents saying what ethnicity are you, and it kind of makes it very difficult because they always like put in Hispanic, 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 and never like in the general like being Latino or like and it gets really confusing because people identify me as fully Mexican, which I'm not. I have parents who are fully Mexican, but I was born in the United States, which is make it makes it very difficult to know that I am Latino because that's kind of like more defined who I am because I am an American citizen, but still have like Latino, um, I mean Mexican um, blood in me. So that's what gets really confusing to like some general, and it's mostly acceptable when you talk to another person who is in the. Latin culture, in my aspect, is when you say you're Latino, you have parents who are fully Mexican. And if you say you're Hispanic, it's mostly if you are from Mexico. That's, that's what we kind of try to identify. The labels I accept and use would be Latino slash Hispanic, or even my origin, Puerto Rican. But when other terms are used like you look like or you sound like this kind of Hispanic origin, I find that and I know other people find that a little bit like tedious and offensive because it's an assumption of who you are as an individual. I find that if you are unsure to ask, are you to ask, are you Hispanic or Latin? That is like more appropriate and less offensive to the individual. So knowing labels other people's labels is important because you avoid being rude toward that other individual's culture also there are some individuals that aren't hispanic so we shouldn't assume they are by the color of the skin or age or ethnic group they could be from an entirely different cultural background and you wouldn't even know it so for me um daniel i could definitely like understand that weird mix of like having Mexican parents, but then also like being born in the United States. Um, for me, I will often go by Mexican-American, Latina, Latinx, Hispanic, 
Um, to me, it feels weird to just like call myself or use Mexican because I'm used to knowing it as like, if you're a Mexican, you're straight from Mexico. So my dad is Mexican, but me and my mom are Mexican American. And I know another term that is often used that like technically also substitutes Mexican American is Chicano and Chicana. And so for me, me, I typically technically based on like that definition, I don't, I qualify and like, I can use that word. But for me, whenever I think of like Chicano, Chicana, I think of like either California or Texas and I'm like, ah, that's not where I'm from. But that was, those are like some of the labels that I often use. And I know I would have like discussions with my mom and my dad, my dad being straight from Mexico, my mom being third, fourth generation. And my dad would say, well, you know, technically you are Chicana, like you're also Latina. And my mom's like, no, nope, I'm, <laughs> I'm Mexican American. <laughs> that's what I use. And so Canoe, you kind of brought this up of like using the term Hispanic sometimes isn't just the best term or you shouldn't use that as like a general statement with the name Hispanic Heritage Month. And like this goes for all of us. What are your thoughts on the name for the month? Do you think it should change? Do you think it should stay the same or what like other options do you think there should be? So I actually love the name Hispanic Heritage Month because at first, well, I'll be honest. I didn't know anything about it, me being a Hispanic. But after seeing its meaning and also how much meaning it held to other Hispanics and Latinos, I felt its inclusion and diversity and its importance to recognize these cultural groups and to celebrate who we are and how far we've come as individuals, as people. Keeping the name saying Hispanic Heritage Month is awesome because it welcomes people to embrace this culture and it also acknowledges all people who hold or foster the Hispanic roots and origins. For me, I really enjoy it because Hispanic has a really good language of like that's partly from mostly for people who are from um, the Latin culture, like saying like Latin heritage, heritage month, but that means like it could be like anything like different types of Latin like languages. I said, like, in the aspect of Hispanic, when you're speaking Spanish or speaking Portuguese or speaking all these different languages, it kind of goes in the same aspect, but it's not. But I enjoy it because it's more generalized of being in, instead of saying Mexican cultural, it's a Hispanic and it's, like, a better way of recognizing the Mexican culture, but without saying Mexican or um, Southern American, like Southern people, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. So it gives it better enunciation of who we are. And it's more of depth of other people's feels. Like if you want being more inclusive, you could say Latinx, of course. And it's more structured otherwise, but I enjoyed it being Hispanic um, culture wise, like Hispanic Heritage Month. So the reason I asked this question is because when I was thinking about Hispanic Heritage Month and doing a little bit of research for this podcast, I was finding articles of people commenting on how some don't like the term Hispanic when it comes to talking about this month or it doesn't, it kind of gets confusing, especially like with the rise of like, especially with the rise of like Latinx in like the previous years. It's, it's, I think it's now a bit more confusing to see like 
is it really Hispanic? Is it like really uh, Latinx or like Latino and Latina? Because like going back, technically Hispanic would include like everything else except Brazil, while Latino would include everything but, but Spain. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see like how the years progress and like how wide uh, Latino Latinx is used in regards to Hispanic Heritage Month. And like even when searching for this podcast, I was finding like little um, posts and icons of like Hispanic and Latinx Heritage Month or like Latinx Heritage Month. So I think it's going to be interesting to see like what comes in the future. Talking about the issues that our cultures will sometimes face, whether they're like external problems like immigration, racism, or um, even in like learning about racism, sometimes they're not mentioned in the history books or even internal like machismo culture, colorism, language barriers, and like religion and like also cultural gatekeeping. So what are some issues that you've all faced, either you personally or with family members or like problems that you see in our culture? And what are you learning from those experiences? For me, some external challenges, of course, we face is racism. Uh, from myself, uh, various times we've, I've been defined by people by the way I speak, my color uh, of skin, um, my age, <laughs> or myself as a whole, basically. Uh, that I don't really represent being a Hispanic, whether it's being in my own home place in Puerto Rico, they see me and I'm like, you don't look that burned. <laughs> um, they, they mistake me as uh, an American or when I come over here, they I, I'm not even viewed as a Hispanic. Uh, it's very, very... <laughs> A little bit surprising, a little bit shocking, because to see racism in environments and individuals that state equality and tolerance should be fostered, and that unfortunately isn't occurring, because in the end, everyone will have their own opinions and views. They should be respected, of course, though we should treat it back in a respectful manner that doesn't allow those opinions to demean our identity as Hispanics instead help educate those individuals of the struggles we have to go through as Hispanics to get to where we are today. And this is not just Hispanics, but so many other cultures going through this, whether it's poverty, immigration, being forgotten in history. Um, I, for one, uh, our, my family, we've been through poverty uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, many struggles uh, as a child, so many problems. Um, during those three years in Puerto Rico, that my dad took the decision of joining the army to help give us a better life. And so during that decision of helping us give, get a better life, it wasn't a bad decision, but though when coming to the US, I was faced through many challenges. Um, people didn't accept me during in like some schools because of who I was, where I was from. Um, I had to adapt to meet their expectations and sometimes still do, but not as much. <laughs> uh, but during that whole time, that whole process, I never forgot my identity as a Hispanic, as an individual, as a Puerto Rican, 
I always kept that close to my heart. Um, but being considerate towards those other people that are struggling through that, struggling to adapt to that change uh, is one of the most important things that we should do, be supportive toward them because you never know what they're going through. Um, some of the internal challenges that we as Hispanics face is being unable to speak our minds. Uh, tradition is often such a strong part, like tradition and religion go together so much, strong part in our given culture that we let it keep us from embracing those other roots from other cultural backgrounds. Because there is so much need at times to prove who is better in the Hispanic community. Well, we all are and shouldn't treat one another indifferently, but embrace those differences and be proud that they form such a diverse Hispanic culture. Like the other days, I tried making Dominican rice and Mexican pozole and a Cuban sandwich. <laughs> it was amazing, but that's not the point. <laughs> I do this not because I'm ashamed of my culture of being a Puerto Rican. I could have made a Puerto Rican meal, but because I want to embrace other cultures they have so much to offer in shaping and diversifying our identities into better leaders within the Hispanic community. Speaking Spanish is not the only qualification because sure, anyone can learn to speak Spanish, but do you know truly the cultures behind what you speak? No, because when speaking Spanish, some of the questions that come up is where did it come from? How did we learn it? And how do we trim it? transmitted those are some of the things that we often ask those individuals but rather than ask them we should tell them be part of our culture embrace the culture learn why what you're speaking the meaning behind what you're speaking basically and another thing i believe that was also mentioned was machismo culture uh machismo uh situations <laughs> I, i'm trying to get there. <laughs> uh women being unable to work is something that has adapted within the hispanic community because my mom for one uh she wasn't able to work uh when my dad was taking care of all of us uh over in the military now she's getting the opportunity to work and having that chance to get into her profession and work just like my father um but still, some people are still founded upon that ideal and still frown upon it that they should be given the right to, to go after their dreams, go after their goals, after their profession. And I find that's like a horrible, horrible concept that we have, like for real. <laughs> we should all be given the chance to to strive for what we want in life, regardless of the gender or anything, we're all equals. So one thing I think, kind of like how both of you described with your experiences, one thing that I think we definitely struggle with is gatekeeping, especially cultural gatekeeping. And for those who don't know what gatekeeping is, gatekeeping is when someone takes it upon themselves to decide who does or does not have access or rights to a community or an identity. Where like an example is when you ask your friend, oh, hey, I really like your shirt, 
where'd you get it? Their friend would respond, oh, I don't know. I think I got it at this place, but I don't know. I don't think it would look good on you, though, so I don't know. Where, like, they take it upon themselves to decide whether or not you can join the club instead of just being like, oh, yeah, I got it from this. And especially in the Hispanic culture, we put such a huge emphasis on language which is understandable but it also creates a very toxic environment for when you have like hispanics like me who don't know the language as our first where it's like technically we have like blood in us that says we're hispanic our parents are like straight hispanics but according to you because i don't fit that first box it doesn't matter and so then it's also like but wait a minute like our culture is more than one language like we have food clothing religious um religion um music dance we have so much to our culture but when it comes to like learning about others it's also like oh no let's not like no like you stay in your place i'll stay in mine when when you study like latin cultures there are a lot of similarities in it and i think what the fear is especially like with this of of fear in like the Mexican community when it comes to like Mexicans and Mexican Americans is like the Mexicans who are from Mexico see the Mexican Americans who didn't know who don't know Spanish and see that as a fear that oh my gosh our culture is going to be forgotten that's why they put so much emphasis on the language but it's like we literally have a whole country like we literally our culture is not going anywhere we literally have a whole country but then it's also like sometimes they forget that like in order to survive in the united states other cultures not just mexicans and hispanics but other cultures had to adapt in order to survive in the united states some of them lost their culture but for the kids who like grew up from it because like my mother she doesn't know anything because her parents grew up in a time where it was not socially acceptable to like teach your kids spanish or just learn it in general so see so she completely lost that But then you have like a kid like me who I have that experience. And then my father coming straight from Mexico where it's like, I'm having to pick up the lost pieces just to make sure that like I'm Mexican for everyone else. And then I'm also Mexican for myself. And kind of like with, um, in the movie Selena, there's this one quote that I really liked where her father says, being Mexican American is hard. We got to prove to the Mexicans how Mexican we are. And we got to prove to the Americans how Americans we are. We got to be more Mexican than the Mexicans and more American than the Americans all the time. It's exhausting. And it's true because you come in like whether you're um, Mexican-American, Honduran-American, Salvadorian-American, you're always having to do so much more in order for other people to say, oh, yeah, you're like us or like, oh, yeah, you can claim us, too. And what I've kind of learned through that, especially growing up and dealing with that at such a young age, is putting, I put more emphasis on learning more about my culture, despite the language. I'm a Spanish minor. I, I'm learning that because I want to learn language because it, it can also help me better understand the culture. But it's like, we're more than this. We can do a whole lot better than this. And we have to stop putting so much pressure because we're all the same. Like, Kneel, as you said, we're all the same no matter what. And we have to stop dividing ourselves out of fear, but start recognizing that we can still share our cultural culture and be safe 
but we can also be individuals. And I think that's kind of what the fear is of like with other cultures not sharing it. I would say, especially with Mexicans, just because Mexican is automatically a general statement for a lot of Hispanics and Latinos and Latinas. And it sucks because like there's other countries besides Mexico who speak Spanish, but like Salvadorians, um, people from Paraguay, people from Venezuela, like they don't even, people don't automatically think them. Their first thought is Mexican. And so to them, it's like, hold on now, like absolutely not. And then when you have like other cultures want to learn more about them and it's like, nope, we're good. Like, we're not like you. Like they're having to put so much emphasis on themselves when they don't have to. And it sucks that we've kind of created this culture that they need to. And so we've kind of talked about the differences between Hispanic, Latino, and then with this past conversation about like some of the issues that we face. But I wanted to focus our attention now on to what it means to be Hispanic, Latinx, Puerto Rican, Mexican, Mexican American, and overall what this month means for you. What does it mean to be Hispanic to you? Wow. (laughs) Awesome question. Okay. So, see, Hispanic to me, I've learned more from my siblings that were born in different areas of the United States. They're all from the same parents. We're all from Puerto Rico, but having those different cultures implemented into my own roots really strengthened the bond because my sister, she was born in Kansas. Uh, so Midwestern culture right there added with Puerto Rican culture. My brother uh, was born in Georgia. So South culture, oof, he, he makes some mean, mean fried chicken. <laughs> Oh my God, but it's so good, so good. Uh, And then implementing that together, those traditions, those different traditions, those different flavors, those different things help diversify the Hispanic community from just what it is to what it can become. So for me, to be Hispanic is not only a definition of where you are from or what Latin language you speak, it is so much more profound it's how we call it sazon, in other words, seasoning. It's implementing different traditions, languages, foods, emotions, and so much more into something cohesive that is truly meaningful to each and every one of us in the Hispanic community. And that makes us want to share that love, that excitement, that delicious arroz con the andules. <laughs> rice with beans with others in our given community. It's like the Washburn message, non nobis solo, not for ourselves alone. We want you to be a part of our culture and for, and part of our culture and part of the scream of our Hispanic heritage to the world because it's our identity, our roots, it's our heart and soul. Oh my God, that was a great speech. Holy cow. I was so moved. Like, wow, this is like, Nobel pre like prize possession like peace like oh my god like this was a movement piece like we're gonna go on a like a fire a war it sounds like so strong but yeah picking back what you said is so true that we as people we put ourselves to learn different like culture like as me coming like me from America learning 
the custom of what Americans do, what Americans like, what American lifestyle is. So as for me, this importance of Hispanic is that we as people grow from different custom, which well, I was gratefully from my family is that we are um, scavengers. We don't like to stay put. We are people who like to move around. So one thing is my parents are very wise on what other people are growing up from. My dad, he knew people who are from, a lot of people from Honduras, people from Venezuela, a lot of people from um, other aspects of being like an aspect of Spanish, which it's amazing because you got to learn their religion, their ethnicity food, their thoughts, their aspect of life. And it's amazing, which he implements that to my aspect of being a scavenger pretty much. It's like you are part of this American culture and you have this Mexican culture in you, but you just don't need to focus on just one aspect of because you are Mexican. You just need to learn all these Mexican um, cultural aspect of who you are, but learn other people's ethnicity which I got to learn being empowered of being Hispanic is like to be this culture, which doesn't mean we have to, everybody focus like, oh, we're Hispanic. We have to focus on dishes, food. That's not partially about our culture. Learn about the legends, learn about the dances, learn about the things we do and what these dishes mean to celebrate. These dishes are, might be Hispanic, but they have a meaning to these customs, what we make. So people need to learn that all these things we do have a meaning to it and not just being, oh, you're Hispanic. You make this dish. It's like, yeah, that's our national dish pretty much, but they all have their own meaning. Our dances, we do this because we have this meaning for this month, this day. And we have this religion. We have these practices because we have things we follow, which matches in our Hispanic traditional aspect but as well as learning from other cultures, like this is what they do differently and get to know that we are just not Mexican, Hispanic, but we also American and Mexican. And we are as well as um, Honduran, as well as we are from Venezuela. We have different culture and that we all practice differently, but somehow we might be connected in a way of a different traditional aspect of, we do follow the same aspect, but we do different traditional form that formality of how we follow those aspects but we follow the same things pretty much and that's pretty amazing because the hispanic strives is a big tree that strives into small different leaves which have these types of formality that we are part of the same tree but different types of style of culture so that's pretty much it i think for me what it means to be hispanic is acknowledging everything that makes up our culture from the food music dance stories legends language just embodying everything and then also like being proud of your roots because best believe if you ask any hispanic where they're from they will say it with such pride because they'll be like yes i am straight from peru i'm straight from puerto rico like i'm straight mexican the amount of pride they have in their culture is so beautiful and it's something that i think we take a lot of power in is acknowledging like yes we are this because it also pays homage to like all the sacrifices that our ancestors had to make our grandparents 
and just saying that everything that they had to give up or everything that was stolen from them did not go to waste because we're still here. We are prouder than ever. We are louder than ever. And I don't think we're ever like going to go away anytime soon. And for me, what this month means for me is this will probably be like the first time in my entire life of like where I actually feel like I can celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. And so that's a big deal for me because I took a long time of just like healing and like you know, spending a lot of time learning about my culture. And so with this one, I'm definitely trying to go out with the bank. <laughs> the minute the minute Hispanic Heritage Month started, I told my friends, I need you to speak to me nicely. I need you to give me my taxes for this month. Like, I need you to know your place from September 15th to October, uh, October 15th because this is my time to shine. So I think it's definitely the feeling of being proud of your culture, being proud of everything that you embody and never forgetting where you truly came from. And like also understanding like Daniel, as you said, like we come from the same tree, but our branches can sprout out. But when you go back to the central, we came from the same place and that means we're still familia. Aside from speaking with Daniel and Keneal, I wanted to get some insight from a faculty member. Angela Valdivia has worked at Washburn for 22 years, where she started at the law school, then moved to the Leadership Institute, and is now the administrative assistant in the Office of Student Involvement. She is originally from Topeka, Kansas, and graduated from Washburn University. Aside from working in the office, she is also the advisor for Washburn's Hispanic American Leadership Organization, also known as HALO. What labels do you typically use? Um, I think what I have used mostly is Hispanic um, because that encompasses more of the Latin American countries like Spain and for our ancestors. Um, I recently probably use more now Latinx because it just it's more the newer word. Um, I, I wouldn't say I would use Chicano or Chicana as much. I just think that was more of a 60s or 70s thing so I it's either my actual heritage of Mexican or Hispanic so and what are your thoughts on the term Latinx because I know a lot of the older generation are like this makes no sense whatsoever it's Latino Latina and that's it yeah I I mean I I like Latinx because you don't have to do Latino Latina and there are other compasses of genders in there and so I think that makes it more inclusive um, I think you're right. A lot of people don't understand that. And I even have family that don't understand that. And I'm like, well, this is what I'm going to use. And this is how I'm going to use it. And this is what I mean. Because I think, I mean, Latino is good, but you also have females. So, or you have non-binary. So how do you, how do you change that? You know, go from different, you have to say multiple words. I mean, you know, so I think Latinx just makes it easier to, to encompass and more inclusive people. And what was it like growing up Hispanic? Um... So I grew up here in Topeka, um, born and raised here, grew up, went to high school and grade school and stuff. So um, I think I grew, I grew up more in predominantly white uh, schools and community. Um, so when I did see people of, that look like me, I was like, oh, this is weird. How, do, how does this, you know, I didn't really know what that really meant. Um, and I did go to a predominantly white um, Catholic high school. And so when I went to that school and then, so like Topeka, we, Topeka is kind of, or it was more segregated, I think maybe in the past, but you have the East, 
you have the side that has more Hispanics on one side, and I and where I lived was more on the other side than that had more white people. So I didn't see a lot of people of color. Um, so when I went to high school, there was a lot of Hispanics going to high school, and um, I was really worried that I wasn't going to fit in with them because I don't know who they are. They've been friends forever with grade school. Am I going to be able to fit in, you know, with them? So it would, and my husband and I, he was one of them that lived a kind of, and went to an all um, Hispanic grade school. And he didn't realize what I went through. His is different than I am. And so he's like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't think about that. I'm like, yeah, I was like, I had a few friends going to the high school, but then you have to fit in as a high schooler. You have to fit in at first. Then secondly, trying to fit into your own culture that you're not used to was even different. Um, so it was, it was hard. It was a little bit difficult fitting in in the community. But as far as my family, we always had, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's completely typical Hispanic, but more than I than, than other maybe people might have. But I mean, our families got together all the time. We always had, you know, Mexican food. We always made tamales. We always made that food. We always had birthdays, quinceañeras, different things. So there's always was that kind of culture surrounded about my family. So I knew that, knew that culture, but I wouldn't say I had it within the actual community of Topeka as much. And then how has Washburn changed over the years since you've started working here? Um, gosh. <laughs> um, I think right now where we are at now, I see more people of color. I see more um, Latinx students on campus. I don't feel that we have completely changed that much. Um, because I don't think there's always inclusiveness happening with um, even with faculty and staff because we don't have as many faculty and staff of color or Latinx individuals on campus where students can see that. I think that's something that we need to work on because I think if we have that on campus, it can bring more um, students to campus because if they see somebody that looks like them, they might be willing to and then they, they can go to them or talk to them about things. Um, I know for myself, I try to be that person if I see somebody struggling or I meet somebody new, I'm like, always oh, come see me, I'm here, you know, come see me so they know who I am. Um, and then try to be involved with the, the halo on campus as well to help them as well. And to even try to show them there's other, there's other individuals even in the community that have graduated from Washburn that are doing well or they can contact for different things as well. So it doesn't always have to be me. It can be other people as well on campus. And do you have any advice for Hispanic students coming to Washburn? Yeah, I think um, I think the main thing is to find your person maybe on campus, somebody that advocates for you as a Hispanic or Latino individual. Um, and it doesn't always have to be that person that's your same culture either. It can be anybody because there's a lot of people on campus that advocate for all of our students of color. So I think if you find that person that you can always come to and talk to about anything where they're going to have your back or try to help you get things started or maybe explain to you the processes and procedures, even though they may not go as fast as we want it to. But I think if they're there to support you, I think that's what you need to find. Um, and, if, and if it's not somebody, it can be a student, another student on campus. It could be an RA, it could be um, a faculty or staff member. I mean, I feel like our faculty and staff overall are always there to help our students. So I think if you find somebody 
And I think we all know that we, we have a handful of those on campus that are there for our, our students of color. Well, everyone, that wraps up this week's episode. A huge thank you to Daniel Lopez Hernandez, Canel Negron Gonzalez, and Angela Valdivia for coming on the podcast and sharing their thoughts and experiences. We also want to give a thanks to all the listeners out there who are still with us. Lastly, make sure to follow us on our social media at Your WSGA on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook at Washburn Student Government Association. If you are interested in learning more about Hispanic culture, HALO, Hispanic American Leadership Organization at Washburn, will be hosting events during this month. You can find out more on their Instagram at halo.washburn. Be on the lookout for our next episode, and thanks for listening.